Friends, I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of Bishop Sheen Presents, a program where we feature some of the wit and the wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. For over 50 years, Archbishop Sheen captivated audiences on both radio and television. Millions tuned in each week to hear his messages of hope and encouragement. It is my prayer that these meditations presented today will truly touch your heart and show you that your life is worth living. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to another edition of Bishop Sheen Presents here on Radio Maria. I'm your host, Al Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me today to uh, listen to a little bit more of the wit and wisdom of the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, We've been sharing back and forth a little bit about Sheen's uh, talks on communism. And uh, I think we, of course, made that decision to uh, bring out these recordings because of what's happening in the world today. Uh, People are saying, you know, are we, again, on the brink of a third world war? Are we, um, have we succumbed to communism in the United States and Canada and other places of the world? And, And I think it's just very refreshing how Fulton Sheen is just reminding us gently that, uh, again, it is an option, it is a choice we can make to either uh, follow, uh, you know, the theories of communism or Marxism, uh, but still, we can always choose to follow God. And I think this is where he reminds us that it is a spiritual battle. And so I will share with you, again, a recording today on Sheen's um, thoughts of Our Lady of Fatima and communism. And, of course, who better to speak about the Blessed Virgin Mary than Archbishop Sheen? But uh, today I will share with you an interview I did with uh, Julia Maloney. And uh, she has uh, been assigned the task to be the spokesperson for uh, Tan Books' Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Signature Series. Uh, it's a beautiful collection of five books that they, they've re-released. And, of course, uh, there's many people having questions about a lot of these books. And so uh, the, one of the books in the Signature series is uh, Communism and the Conscience of the West. And, of course, it was written in 1948, but now re-released in the year 2022 by 10 books. And I'll be interviewing her uh, about that book. And so I will share that Uh, interview with you shortly. And then uh, at the end of the program, I will share with you uh, from Sheen's 1947 uh, Catholic Hour recording, uh, a reflection he gave on Russia and Our Lady. And he'll speak uh, fondly of Our Lady of Fatima. And uh, you'll hear um, in my interview with Julia uh, Maloney, uh, how she talks about uh, Our Lady of Fatima also. And so, uh, again, this being Radio Maria, who better <laughs> uh, to talk about than the Blessed Virgin Mary and what she has to say to her children. So, uh, without further ado, may I share with you now uh, this interview with Julia Maloney as we talk about Archbishop Sheen's book titled Communism and the Conscience of the West. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bishop Sheen Presents here on Radio Maria. 
And uh, today we have a, a little bit of a very special feature. I want to say special in that uh, I don't do that many interviews, of course, on the program. Uh, we let the Venerable Sheen uh, teach us, and uh, but there's been a great response for people wanting to hear stories and wanting to uh, talk about Sheen's writings and his books. And I've been sharing with you uh, over the past few months a few of Sheen's writings during the war years. Uh, beautiful book, The Philosophies at War, uh, The Seven Pillars of Peace, uh, God and War, For God and Country. Uh, and many of these uh, talks that I've been sharing with you on the radio, and of course sharing the books with you, uh, have really touched your hearts. And so this morning, uh, we have our good friend, Julia Maloney, who is the spokesperson for Tan Books. And there's a very beautiful, uh, what I'd like to call a signature series, uh, a collection of five books that they've put together to republish, uh, to enhance anyone's personal library. And uh, today we'll be talking about one of those books in the signature series. Uh, we'll be talking about Sheen's 1948 book titled uh, communism and the conscience of the West. And I know many of you have been enjoying those reflections that we've been sharing uh, from Sheen's 1947 radio addresses uh, entitled Light Your Lamps. And so uh, I'd like to, of course, bring uh, to your attention the work of Julia Maloney. Uh, she is an author and writer and, of course, has published um, uh, many articles with uh, many fine Catholic uh, magazines and periodicals. Uh, of course, she uh, works for, um, again, as a com making commentary with LifeSite News, Crisis Magazine, and One Peter Five. Uh, Julia is a published author and has a best-selling book titled The St. Gallen Mafia, Exposing Se the Secret Reformist Group Within the Church and it is published by Tan Books. And so I'd like to welcome to Bishop Sheen Presents, uh, Julia Maloney. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, yes, Julia. Um, you know, I think when I visit your website and I, I do a little bit of research as we uh, like to get to know our guest, um, your website begins with a beautiful quote by Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And so I thought, uh, who better to uh, interview uh, than someone who has Sheen right uh, front and center uh, on their website. And that uh, beautiful quote is uh, simply, revolution within the soul is the true Christian adventure. And uh, again, I think just that quote alone, I'm sure we could talk for uh, 20 and 30 minutes on that. But uh, Julia, explain to our uh, audience again your um, encounter or your, um, I always say it's a gaudy incidence when we fall in love with a saint. And so uh, I, th I believe everybody has a sheen story. And so maybe you could uh, uh, elaborate uh, a little bit about your um, a love of sheen and how you got to know him and his writings. Yeah, um, I got to know his writings basically through the recommendation of my father and my grandfather. They, um, I, I think I was already maybe in college or graduate school, but they talked about how Venerable Sheen had this book, Life of Christ, that was just really, just really pious, really devotional, and also really brilliant. And they were talking about how well-read he was, how intelligent he was. And it just seemed to me like a, a book that I had to read. And so I, I started reading that. It was just, you know, one of my favorite books of, 
of all time. Um, it was it lived up to everything they said that it would be. And then I started listening to podcasts of Venerable Fulton Sheen um, through the School of Sheen, which um, of course you you have put together. And I just went through this amazing period where I was listening to Sheen like hours every day. I was taking notes on him. I was learning so much and feeling so inspired. Um, and this, this kind of prepared me for an incident that happened, which was I, I found out that a family member of mine was dying of cancer. And I just remember in that moment that I found out that I, I just fled to, to two people. I fled to the Blessed Virgin Mary and I fled instinctively to Venerable Fulton Sheen because there are so many amazing stories of him converting sinners and and all of that. And my family member <clears throat> was someone who was not religious, and I knew he needed to be prepared for his his journey towards um, death and the other world. And um, to make a long story short, after a lot of prayer and, you know, seeking the intercession of Mary and <clears throat> Venerable Sheen, um, this family member of mine, we found out that he was actually a baptized Catholic, even though he had never really participated in the life of the church. And he asked for a priest after resisting for a long time, the very idea of meeting with a priest, he asked for a priest so he could go to confession for the first time in his life. And it was the feast of the Immaculate Conception. And so I just absolutely believe that Our Lady working together with, with Venerable Sheen, you know, converted this, this soul who was in so much need of help. And so I, um, yeah, I just I just have this really strong um, love and and devotion to Venerable Sheen and seeking his intercession. Right, and I think that our listening audience uh, feels the same way. And I think I, when I read our mail, uh, it's just amazing how people will point to a certain book uh, that uh, somehow uplifted their soul. And of course, these miracles that you talk about, um, naturally, of course, many people focus in on these great miracles of, uh, you know, physical healings. Of course, the miracle that was attributed to Fulton Sheen's um, being declared venerable and, of course, um, hopefully one day blessed, <coughs> where a little child that was dead for 61 minutes um, miraculously came back to life. And so we love hearing those stories of the physical miracles, but just the spiritual miracles of people having conversions, coming back to the faith. And uh, for you, many of you who listen to Fulton Sheen's old recordings, you would see that he would say, you know, pray your holy hour every day, be in the state of grace, um, go to the sacrament of confession. And so when you shared this story about your friend or acquaintance uh, coming back to the faith and um, having that um, a, a great um, uh, a clarity of thought and mind to say, I need confession, I need to get right with God, it is so good. 
It is so good. And and speaking of getting right with God, I think this book that we're going to talk about this morning uh, is uh, the communism, communism and the conscience of the West, and it's um, been republished by Tan Books, and of course, a very handsome uh, looking book. And of course, uh, I know when I give reflections at uh, different. Um, uh, Catholic events, and we have prayer cards made of uh, the Venerable Fulton J. Sheen. Uh, most of uh, the people are sometimes just spellbound by his handsome looks. And so uh, the Lord knew what he was doing. He wanted to get our attention. But uh, it's the content of this book that I think we really uh, will focus in on today. And um, of course, uh, because I think what I get all the time, and I'm sure, Julia, you've heard this, is that uh, even though these books may have been penned in the 1940s, um, some of them, it's like he's writing to us today <coughs> um, in the year 2022. And so, um, again, tell me a little bit about uh, how you came uh, to know this book. And I know that you've been uh, educated, of course, at uh, Yale and Harvard, and I've read lots of books because you are an English major. And so um, I'm sure at some point in your reading, um, you came across this book, uh, Communism and the Conscience of the West. And uh, maybe you can explain how it's uh, touched your life and uh, why you would say to everybody, you need to read this book. Yeah, um, this was one of the books I I ran across you know, sometime after the journey started with the Life of Christ and the School of Sheen um, podcast, um, at some point I was aware of this book just because there are some, you know, very interesting passages just about, um, I don't know, kind of what the end times would look like or, um the, the, the great deceiver, the, you know, a, a figure who is a kind of antichrist, what, what he would act like. And so I wanted to have the actual book that had the contents of this. So this was um, about six years ago, and it was, it was kind of hard to find the book because it hadn't been, you know, republished by Tan or, or anything. And so um, I, I did find it, but I, when I read it, I was just, blown away because I, I mean, he talks about everything from Fatima to the philosophy of communism to the, the stance towards the family um, to um, Russian literature on the Antichrist. It, it's very spellbinding reading. And what really kind of struck me about this is this idea that what we are seeing in the world is a spiritual problem and the way out of it is through changing the soul. So we hear a lot about revolution in society and what we need to do to, to make the society um, <clears throat> maybe, you know, more leftist according to people with that philosophy and that sort of thing. But he says that that quote that I have on my website, you know, that the, the true Christian adventure is revolution within the soul. He's basically saying, okay, we're going to talk about these philosophies that have gone haywire in the world. But at the end of the day, the problem is the way we keep our souls. And we have to have a good kind of revolution in our souls, a revolution against the sin 
within our own selves. And when we do that, we can evade some of the, um, you know, very, very kind of dark days possibly that, that lie ahead at some point. Yes. He really brings to our attention the spiritual battle. Um, you know, I think we're always looking to the politicians to fix things. Um, you know, you'll take care of this war in the Ukraine, right? You'll take care of this uh, civil unrest uh, in our own country, right? And so we tend to put our trust in governments. And uh, again, yet Fulton Sheen keeps reminding us, uh, no, this uh, is a spiritual battle. We got here because we disobeyed God's laws. We are not following the moral order or the moral code. Um, yeah, we're reckless. And it would be kind enough to even kind of prick our consciences and say on his radio show, and you haven't even been going to mass or your synagogues or opening your Bibles. Uh, he wasn't afraid to say, let's be honest. Are you saying your prayers? And he would talk about, you know, evil has its hour, but we need to make an hour of reparation each day um, to combat this spiritual war. And, um, you know, I love how you brought to, uh, you made mention about Our Lady and how uh, Fulton Sheen, even in this book that you think, of course, uh, was read by tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, he's not ashamed of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he makes mention of her, especially, I think, with reference to Fatima. And uh, again, is there something there, of course, in that chapter that he wrote about Our Lady of Fatima in Russia that touched your heart and that we could share with our audience today? Yeah, um, I thought a couple things were interesting. I thought it was interesting that he starts that chapter talking about lords, actually, so the chapter has Fatima in the title, but he starts with Lords, and he starts with um, the year 1858 and connects the apparition of Lords to different philosophies. You know, Marx was publishing this tract, and um, John Stuart Mill was publishing this tract. Basically, different people were laying the foundation for a, co a kind of modern revolt against, you know, a, a Christian order. And and that year, Our Lady comes to say, I am the Immaculate Conception. And of course, her saying that tacitly says, you know, we are not the Immaculate Conception. We are not born without sin. We have sin. And at a time when kind of different philosophies were trying to say that humans would be perfectible, humans could be perfectible and just kind of let this kind of evolution go on. And then we're, we're, we're going to get to a utopia or something. Um, basically, her message was something different. And then he goes into Fatima and then he he makes some different, um, you know, con connections about, for instance, the day, May 13th, um, when we had the first uh, apparition of Our Lady uh, of Fatima, was also the day that I think um, Eugenio Pacelli 
um, the future Pope Pius XII was uh, made a bishop, if I if I'm under, remembering that correctly. But he has some kind of connection um, to that day, and so there are all these really interesting things with the dates that line up. So he connects it to kind of ideological history, and then he connects it to kind of the life of the church. And then he starts talking about how um, the the special judgment of having two world wars in the space of um, 20 something years, I think he says, is that's our, that is our barometer of who we are and where we are headed. We talked about the spiritual component of this battle. The, the world wars are not just political events. You can't just trace them to a political cause. Um, it's, it's a spiritual statement of where we are. And that's the same thing that our, our lady said, you know, people do not cease offending God. Um, she said in uh, 1917, then a worse war is is going to come up. And so I think this all just connects it back to not just a kind of worldly explanation of history in the past century and century and a half, but looking at the spiritual components of that and how Fatima and um, lords and that sort of thing can help us read what we are in the eyes of God. Yes. And I think, you know, I think of we're on Radio Maria and of course uh, the importance of Our Lady. And I think with Fulton Sheen, he's not really saying, I told you so. I mean, you don't want anybody to say, I told you so. But uh, again, when you look at the messages of Our Lady of Fatima, uh, there were uh, very specific warnings given to say, if we don't do this, this will happen and there'll be a greater war. And of course, there was World War II. And so it's that I told you so moment. And I think Fulton Sheen in this book, uh, Communism and the Conscience of the West, is saying, you know, we've just came through the Second World War. Let's now heed the warnings of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that the event that took place in October of 1917, the miracle of the sun, um, that was witnessed by close to 100,000 people. And of course, there was members of the Communist Party there. There was uh, just onlookers that didn't really have <coughs> much faith or belief, yet they were converted because of this great sign. And that's all documented. And uh, even Fulton Sheen says, you know, I'm not here to try to prove or disprove the miracles, but the reality is, is that it's understood. Uh, a miracle did happen and we need to take notice. And that's what, of course, Our Lady loves to do is she loves to point to her son who is um, a just God <laughs> and uh, again, uh, wants us to turn to God. And of course, that's the message that's contained in this book is it's uh, a bit of a, of when uh, I want to say an interactive book in that Sheen gives us some good uh, coaching ideas of how to uh, deal with communists and how to, of course, um, well, I want to say have a passion for the faith 
And he has uh, taught us talk about passion. And I think that's what we lack in society today is we're, uh, you know, the mediocre survive, it seems. We don't, we're not on fire for the cause, uh, for the faith. And so uh, Sheen, of course, reminds us throughout this book uh, to uh, get on fire and to uh, heed the warnings uh, that have happened. And I think, Julia, of course, you've been on university campuses for many years. And um, that mindset of communism um, is almost a bit of a lie, I think, of what a university student believes communism to be and what it actually is. And um, uh, maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, um, I think that this book, so I'm I'm a millennial. Um, I did my undergraduate and graduate work at um, Ivy League universities. So I was not really, I don't consider myself as someone who was educated about what communism really was. Um, I, at some points in, you know, the lower grades, maybe in high school, you know, we would read George Orwell or something and we would talk a little bit about communism, but I, I did not really understand it until I read um, two books. And those books are this book by Sheen, Communism in the Conscience of the West, and another book by Tan, um, by Paul Kangor, called um, The Devil and Karl Marx. And these books put together helped me understand what I had lived through at the university. So basically, um, you have, I think Sheen talks about how communism it is not just economic. It is a, an entire philosophy of life. And when he really goes through it, especially in some of his 1947 talks, he makes it clear it's very, it is intrinsically anti-religious. It is materialistic. There's no hope for a soul. Um, any so-called salvation that you're going to get is going to be through the revolution and the utopia. It's going to be on earth. It's not... Um, it's not any kind of moral salvation from your, you know, freedom from your sins or anything like that. And um, it's just Marx said at one point, I hate all the gods. And so that sums up the, the anti-religious fervor of, of communism. And then when I was at the university, um, I was dealing more with kind of, cultural Marxism or neo-Marxism, whatever you want to call it, where it wasn't so much, we weren't, people weren't talking about capital and they weren't talking about private property and they weren't talking about that sort of thing, but they were talking about things like gender ideology and that sort of thing. And it was hard for me to understand, but this is basically what communism has evolved into, something cultural something um, sexual, something about really having different kinds of victim classes and so-called victim classes and so-called oppressor classes and that sort of thing. But the key idea again here is that that basic idea of we, we don't want the old pieties of religion. We don't want the morality derived from religion. We don't want religion 
to testify to the sanctity of the family or, you know, the, the sanctity of uh, the body or any sort of things like that. We want to burn everything down. We want to criticize everything. So to me, that's the fundamental thing that I learned um, from Sheen and, and the Paul Kangor book that all of this is about burning down religion and anything adjacent to it that helps prop up, you know, morality and traditional pieties and all of that. Yes. And again, it is a spiritual battle. It's, uh, of course, the devil wants to destroy everything that uh, God has created. And uh, again, people have to remember that it is a spiritual war we're in. And so uh, Fulton Sheen, of course, reminds us uh, that communism is not a good thing. <laughs> it's uh, demonic. And remember that it's demonic. And of course, we have to come against those demons with the help of Our Lady. And of course, the victory of our Lord and his passion and death on the cross and uh, again, um, I cannot say enough about this book, Communism and the Conscience of the West. And I would invite everyone to visit uh, Tan Books where uh, they can purchase this book, but also the whole complete series, the uh, Archbishop Sheen uh, Signature Series. And so again, uh, the website is simply uh, tanbooks.com. And I would invite everyone to uh, visit Julia on her website. It's just simply juliamaloney.com and uh, there you can come you can make contact with julia uh we're approaching a break and so uh, julia uh, i want to thank you for joining me for this segment and we'll be uh, sharing uh, with our audience not just the content of this book communism and the conscience of the west but the other books contained in the series uh the beautiful book way to happiness uh thinking life through uh, preface to religion and the philosophies at war. So uh, more to come uh, in the near future. Uh, Julie Maloney, thanks for coming on. Uh, Bishop Sheen presents here on Radio Maria. And uh, God love you. Thank you so much. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program. Bishop Sheen presents, hosted by Al Smith. Well, my dear friends, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Julia Maloney. And uh, again, she is the spokesperson for uh, the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Signature Series, um, a five-book collection uh, published by Tan Books. And again, very handsome-looking books, um, hardcover editions, uh, quality I, and I just say that quality. Uh, it's good to find a nice hardcover book. And, of course, the material included in those books is uh, second to none. I mean, uh, communism and the conscience of the West is required reading today, I think. We're all trying to figure out what's gone wrong with the world. Well, again, we've uh, tried to put God on the sidelines. And, of course, uh, you know that what happens when uh, you remove God from society, uh, all hell breaks loose. And so uh, this is a spiritual battle. So I um, may encourage you to visit their website, uh, Tan Books. Uh, it's simply tanbooks.com. And if you'd like to look up um, uh, Julia, uh, she's a great speaker and, of course, a writer herself. And uh, she has a website, uh, juliamaloney.com. And so... Uh, again, we'll have Julia back on the show. Uh, we'll be looking at the other books in the Signature Series. Uh, so looking forward to do that again. Now, I, she caught my attention, of course, uh, when she was mentioning about Our Lady of Fatima 
and, uh, you know, the dates and things like that. So I was able to find in the archives uh, Fulton Sheen's uh, talk on Russia and Our Lady, and there he explains a lot of those dates and names and, of course, uh, connects the dots for us. And, um, again, Fulton Sheen, he uh, truly cared for souls, and, um, of course, he wanted to relay the messages that uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary gave to the children at Fatima, and uh, she was giving those messages for all of us. And so, uh, again, if we uh, listen to Mother, good things happen. If we don't listen, well, we pay the consequences. But uh, I think we'll hear it from Fulton Sheen today as he will share, uh, again, a reflection from 1947 uh, titled Russia and Our Lady. So please just sit back and relax and enjoy one of the greatest communicators of our time, the Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, as he teaches us once again about Russia and Our Lady. Please enjoy. We present now the Right Reverend Monsignor Fulton J. Sheen, who delivers the 10th address in his series generally entitled, Light Your Lamps. Monsignor Sheen speaks on the subject, Russia and Our Lady. Friends, last week we spoke of our deep affection for the Russian people and our hope that the predictions of the Russian writers of the 19th century would be verified. Namely, that Russia, after having been communistic for a brief time, would be converted and would sit at the feet of Christ and learn his gospel. Today we renew that hope, and for stronger reasons, as we speak of the revelation of Our Lady concerning Russia and the world. To understand its background, quickly glance over the world and see what is happening in three cities on the 13th of May, 1917. America had just shortly before entered the World War on Good Friday of that year. Rome, May 13th, 1917. Benedict XV imposed hands on Monsignor Eugenio Pacelli, making him a successor of the Apostles. As the bells of Rome were ringing out the midday Angelus, a new bishop was given to the Church, who one day, by the hidden designs of Providence, would ascend the throne of Peter and govern the universal Church as our Holy Father, Pius XII. Moscow, May 13, 1917. Maria Alexandrovich was teaching catechism in one of the churches of Moscow. She had 200 children before her in the pews. There was a loud noise at the front door. Horsemen entered, charged down the middle aisle of the great church, vaulted the communion rail, destroyed the altar, then rode down the side aisles, breaking the statuary, and finally attacked the children, killing some of them. Maria Alexandrovich ran out of the church screaming. It was the first of those sporadic outbursts that foretold the coming communist revolution. She went to one of the revolutionists, who later on became very famous, and screamed at him. The most terrible thing has happened. I was teaching catechism in the church. Horsemen entered, came in, destroyed the church, charged the children, and killed some of them. Lenin answered... I know it. I sent them. Fatima, May 14th, 1917. 
Portugal, May 13, 1917. Three children from the parish of Fatima, Hasina, Francisco and Lucy were attending their flock. The Angelus bell rang from the steeple of the nearby church. These three little shepherds knelt down and, as was their daily practice, recited the rosary together. When they finished it, they decided to build a little house which would shelter them in stormy days. But these little architects were suddenly interrupted by a blinding flash of lightning. They looked anxiously at the sky. Not a single cloud veiled the brilliance of a noonday sun. They ran, and just two paces ahead of them, in the midst of the foliage of an evergreen oak, they saw a beautiful lady, more resplendent than the sun. With a gesture of motherly kindness, the lady said to them, Fear not, I shall do you no harm. The lady was very beautiful. She appeared to be between 15 and 18 years of age. Her hands are joined at the height of her breast in an attitude of prayer. A rosary of brilliant pearls with a silver cross hangs from her right hand. Her face of incomparable beauty shines in a halo as bright as the sun. But there seems to be, however, a slight look of sorrow. Lucy is the first to speak. Where do you come from? I come from heaven, replied the lady. From heaven? And why have you come here? I have come to ask you to come here for six months in succession. In the month of October, I shall tell you who I am and what I want. Of the six appearances of the Blessed Mother to these children, the most important one was the apparition of July 13th that year. It must be recalled that this was the third year of World War I. And speaking of World War I, she said this war is going to end soon. And if people do penance, many souls will be saved and the world will find peace. But then she considers the possibility that men will not do penance and there will be a danger of a second world war. She said, if people do not cease to offend God, not much time will elapse and precisely during the next pontificate, another and more terrible war will have its beginnings. As a matter of fact, it was during the pontificate of Pius XI that the terrible Spanish War took place, which was a prelude to World War II. And during that time, the Reds, in their hatred of religion, massacred 13 prelates, 14,000 priests and religious, and destroyed 22,000 churches and chapels. And the Blessed Mother then gave a sign to the children as to when World War II would actually begin. And after that sign was given, Lucy said, it will be horrible, horrible. Now it must be remembered that all the chastisements of God are conditional and they can be averted by penance. The Blessed Mother, it is to be noted, said that World War II could be avoided. For she added, to avoid this second world war, 
I ask for the consecration of the world to my Immaculate Heart and communion in reparation the first Saturday of each month. If my requests are granted, Russia will be converted. There will be peace. Otherwise, Russia will spread its errors throughout the world, giving rise to wars and persecutions against the church. The good will suffer martyrdom, and the Holy Father himself will suffer much. Several nations will be destroyed. At this point, the church has seen fit not to give us the part of the message that follows. What that particular message was, we do not know. It apparently is not good news, and it would seem to refer to our times. In any case, we are given the conclusion of the message, which is one of hope and joy. The Blessed Mother concluded, but in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. Russia will be converted, and an era of peace will be given to the world. The final revelation took place on the 13th of October, 1917, when the Blessed Mother promised to work a miracle that would, to all present, convince them of the truth of her apparitions. On the evening of October 12th, all the roads to Fatima were packed with carriages, bicycles, and pilgrims on their way to the apparition. A crowd of 60,000 gathered, many of them unbelievers and scoffers. Lucy asks the people to look at the sun. The rain ceases, and suddenly the clouds open wide, exposing an immense surface of blue. Suddenly the sun trembles, makes some abrupt movement, finally begins to turn giddily on itself like a wheel of fire, casting in all directions great beams of green, red, purple, yellow, and blue, coloring in a most fantastic manner the clouds, the trees, the rocks, and the earth. Amidst that crazy dance of fire and colors, like a gigantic wheel which from its spinning had swung out of its axis, the sun leaves its place in the firmament and falling from side to side, plunges zigzagging through the heavens as if it would crash upon the crowds below. And then from this terrified crowd, there suddenly escapes a terrible cry. And the men shout, praying with the religious terror of souls, preparing seriously for death, professing their faith and asking God's pardon for their sins. With one accord falling on their knees in the mud, the spectators recite it in a voice choking with sobs, the most sincere act of contrition that has ever come from their hearts. And finally stopping short in its mad fall, the sun climbs back to its place, zigzagging as it had come down and ends by gradually regaining its usual brilliance in the limpid sky. Though everyone had been drenched with rain throughout the morning, immediately after the apparition, everyone's clothes were perfectly dry. I'm not here concerned about proving the authenticity of these revelations to you. For those who believe in the realm of the Spirit and the Mother of God need no proof. And those who reject both would not accept the proof anyway. But what significance should we attach to the apparent fall of the sun upon the people of Fatima on that October day, 1917? 
We have no way of knowing for certain, but since its general effect was so frightening, we may speculate. Could it augur the day when men would steal some of the atomic energy from the sun and use it not to light a world, but as a bomb to thrust down from the heavens upon a helpless people? It used to be when famine was stalking the earth and while war was devastating the accumulated heritage of the centuries, that men could look to the skies for hope. If this earth was cruel, at least the heavens would be kind. Did this apparition portend that now even the heavens for a time would turn against man and its fires would be released upon the helpless children of God? Whether or not it was a premonition of the atomic bomb, we know not. One thing is certain. We shall still not lose hope. And amidst all the clouds, we can still look up to the heavens to see the lady with the moon beneath her feet, the stars a crown about her head, and the sun above her. The heavens are not against us and will not destroy us while she reigns as the lady of the skies. Divine providence has committed to her the power of overcoming evil and averting the danger of another world war. Our reason for saying so is this. In that first dread day when evil was introduced into the world, God spoke to the serpent in the Garden of Eden and said, I shall put enmity between thee, the serpent, and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed. And thou, the serpent, shalt lie in wait for her heel." It will be through the power of a woman that evil will be overcome, said the Lord. And we live now in an evil hour. Goodness has its day, but evil has its hour. Our blessed Lord said that much the night that Judas came into the garden. And the Savior said to him, This is your hour. And the power of darkness. All evil can do in that hour is to put out the lights of the world. But it can do that. If then we live in a day when the devil has been given a particularly long rope, how shall we overcome the spirit of evil except by the power of that woman to whom Almighty God has given the commission to crush the head of the serpent of evil? Therefore we trust in her and in her intercession. How can another world war be averted? It is certain that politics cannot stop it. For by abandoning the Atlantic Charter, we have sown the seeds of another war. Equally certain it is that no economic, social, or military plan can stop it, for the danger of war exists so long as people are godless and selfish and acquisitive. The world's only hope is in a miracle. Only God can stop it. The answer to Russia is not war. 
but conversion. And if Russia ever received again the gift of faith, it could lead the whole world to peace. Think for a moment of what a transformation a single revelation of our Blessed Lady would work among the 176 million Russians who do not belong to the Communist Party and who cannot belong to it. Mexico was converted through a revelation of Guadalupe. Pagan Rome was converted after it persecuted the church for 300 years. And atheistic Russia is no less beyond the power of God's grace than Rome. We must therefore pray that Russia receives the gift of faith. And Catholics, for that reason, ought to say the rosary every day for Russia. And receive communion the first Saturday of each month for the intention of Russia. Before this miracle will come to pass, there has to be a greater social manifestation of love for God through devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Our Blessed Mother asked for the consecration of the world and the Holy Father on the 25th anniversary of his Episcopal consecration and on the 25th anniversary of the Revelation of Fatima in 1942 did consecrate the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We now await the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, not only by the Holy Father, but also by the bishops of the Church. And in conclusion, as Americans, we are very proud of how our recent history has been tied up with the feasts of Our Lady. We who have the faith cannot forget that on December the 8th, 1846, just a hundred years ago, the Council of Baltimore consecrated the United States to the Immaculate Conception of Our Blessed Mother. It was on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, 1941, that the United States went to war with Japan. It was on May 13, 1945, when the entire church celebrated Sodality Day of Our Lady throughout the world, that the United States government proclaimed a national thanksgiving for V.E. Day. It was on August the 15th, 1945, the feast of the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother, that victory came to us in the war with Japan. It was on the 19th day of August, 1945, that the United States government declared official VJ Day, which was the anniversary of one of the appearances of Our Lady at Fatima. On September the 1st, 1945, the first Saturday of the month, which the Lady of Fatima asked should be consecrated to her, that General MacArthur accepted the surrender of Japan aboard the United States battleship Missouri. It was on September the 8th, 1945, the birthday of Our Lady, that the first American flag flew over Tokyo. And as it was unfurled, General MacArthur said, let it wave in its full glory as a symbol of victory for the right. May America continue to be under the protection of Our Lady. And while others put their trust in war, we put ours in prayer. While others want to keep the secret of the atomic bomb, we want the secret of Mary to be better known. O Lady of Victory, 
who has been with us in our victories in World War II, be with us in our victory over godlessness and the still greater victory of the conversion of Russia so that when we all stand before the judgment seat of our Lord, remembering how we prayed to him through Mary, he will speak to us the most consoling words the human heart can hear. I've heard my mother speak of you. God love And now we invite you to join Monsignor Sheen as he offers this prayer. Sovereign Lord and Master, we fought so long we forgot what we were fighting for. When we left thy light, like tiny gods we quarreled in the twilight of our petty rivalries. Give us in thy tender mercy the peace we do not deserve. We pray for our president, our congress, and our courts, that they may sustain and defend religion and morality without which no nation can long endure. Save us most of all from ourselves. Restore love to our broken homes, the joy of a good conscience to our frustrated lives, and the four freedoms to the enslaved peoples of the world and to our foolishness. Give the wisdom of thy ways. Make us new men and light our lamps. In particular, we pray for the people of Russia. We consecrate them individually and as a nation to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, that they may realize their fondest hopes and know thee freely and openly, O Christ, whom they now love and serve in secret not for our worthiness, but for thy mercy. Grant us these petitions, O Christ Jesus, Son of the living God. Well, my dear Radio Maria family, I hope you enjoyed this reflection from Archbishop Sheen as he explained Our Lady of Fatima and, of course, uh, Russia's conversion. And he pleaded with us to make the five for Saturday devotion. And uh, again, that's a devotion that I think many people still sometimes ask questions of what is the five for Saturday uh, devotion and the nine first Fridays. And so uh, again, the first Saturday devotion uh, was one of the most important aspects of the Fatima message. And it was Our Lady's request for the first Saturday devotion uh, in the July 13th, 1917 apparition at Fatima, where Our Lady said to the children, You have seen hell, where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. I shall come to ask for the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. And she came expressly with a request for this devotion when she appeared to Sister Lucia on December the 10th, 1925, in Pontevedra, Spain, where she was preparing for religious life. Now, the first Saturday requirements are to attend Holy Mass and participate on Mass on the first Saturday 
of the month, uh, go to confession. And of course, that may be eight days before or after the first Saturday. And of course, receive Holy Communion, uh, pray five decades of the rosary, and keep Our Lady's company for at least 15 minutes. And so uh, that's what I was told, at least, by my mother. And uh, I trust my mother. And of course, she encouraged me as a young child to make reparations for the blasphemies against Our Lady. And of course, the blasphemies are uh, those who are against the Immaculate Conception, uh, those who speak against her perpetual virginity, uh, those who speak against her divine maternity, while refusing to receive her as the mother of mankind. Uh, the fourth blasphemy is um, for those who try to implant in the hearts of children indifference, uh, disrespect, and hate against the Immaculate Mother. And the fifth blasphemy is by those who insult her directly in her sacred images. And so we need to pray and make prayers of reparation, not just on the first Saturdays, uh, but every day, because Our Lady's heart has been wounded by the many sins of the world. And my dear friends, we can, of course, play our part in this prayer. And so, again, may I invite you to pray the rosary today. Uh, join us here at Radio Maria uh, as we say the rosary a few times throughout the day. And join us with our many other prayers. My dear friends, I want to thank you for joining me this week as we uh, continue to journey with Archbishop Sheen and uh, let us continue to pray uh, for his canonization process that the church will one day declare him a saint. And may we continue to pray to all the saints and uh, especially during this month of November as we pray for the holy souls and of course we celebrate those two great feasts of all saints and all souls. And so until next week, my friends, may the good Lord continue to bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord look upon you kindly and bring you peace. God love you. You have been listening to Bishop Sheen Presents, hosted by Al Smith, here on Radio Maria Canada.